uh, another episode of Mibby's Eye and this time Fiona and I are joined by Jim Byrne and I have to say everyone, it was Jim who approached us and suggested that we could have a bit of a discussion about economics, about what works and doesn't work in terms of any economic system but in particular thinking about setting up an independent Scotland. Thanks for proposing yourself, Jim. That was good. That no, was great. as you know, I'm a huge fan of the show. I listen to it every every week or oh. twice a week if it's on twice a week. Fantastic! <laughs> you, know. you can come again. You can come <laughs> again then. <laughs> Maybe just to, to kick things off, you've been writing this series of articles on Byline Scotland about economics and your thoughts about it. You know, so first one I read was called putting citizens in the centre of economic policies. And I went, well, there's a good idea to yeah, start with. Yeah, so absolutely. do you want to tell us what made you start writing those articles? Okay, well, as you know, 2014, there was a lot of stuff around the currency and the economy and all that. Uh, and a lot of people said that that was a weakness that caused the, the no side to win and the yes side to lose. Uh, so I suppose that's been in my head ever since. I have been somebody that's not really stopped thinking about independence since there. I suppose I've continued campaigning, whether it be on Twitter or talking to people or thinking about it. I, I did a wee bit of economics at university. I did a social science degree and I did economics as part of that. And then I did politics and economics as my in my honours year. So I had a wee bit of that kind of orthodox neoliberal model about how the economy works. You know, this idea that everything balances out in the long term, which of course is all based on assumptions which are not true. I can't remember exactly what, what hooked me in, but I started listening to quite a lot of podcasts related to economics, and I started listening to podcasts which were about something called modern monetary theory. And when I was starting to listen to those, I, I, my head was kind of turning, you know, I, I was hearing things there that I'd never heard before <laughs> about how the economy worked, and uh, I was getting quite excited about it and how they had a different approach, which was not the neoliberal orthodox neoliberal economist approach. Uh, this thing about MMT was taking a much more practical, in my view anyway, uh, idea of what the economy was and how it worked, which is based on this idea that if you look at what's happening in the economy, if you follow the flows of, of money through, you know, from a, a macroeconomics point of view, then you could figure out how it works that way. So instead of having a big model which teaches you what you can expect when you pull one lever and something else somewhere else in the economy does yeah. something you know you put interest rates up what does that mean well our model says it means this as you know the banks have been using that model recently by putting up the interest rates thinking that that will bring down inflation uh despite the fact there's no evidence that it will <laughs> there are other causes for inflation aren't they and we're probably well, in the grip of them more at the moment well you the neoliberal model will tell you that if you put up uh, interest rates, that'll stop people spending money in the economy. And it's because there's too much money chasing too few goods that puts up inflation. Well, of course, nobody's spending any money. Uh, and there's no evidence that people are spending any money more than normal. So that's clearly not what, why inflation's going up. But why inflation's going up is pretty obvious to everybody. It's because there's a war. It's because of Brexit. It's because the price of gas has gone up. <laughs> All of these things which are absolutely obvious to everybody but they're not in the model that tells you to put uh, interest rates up. But they just put interest rates up anyway. So you've got this model that doesn't seem to apply to the real world. And for me, modern monetary theory offered uh, a much more practical approach, which says looking at how does the economy actually work? 
Where does the money come from? Where does it flow to? Uh, if you can follow these flows, then you get a sense of how the economy is working in practice, and you, then you can extrapolate from that, you know, and, and say things from that that are entirely different from what you would have said if you were basing it on this model. I think that we often hear is the household budget yeah. kind of model, and whilst that probably does apply to Scotland with a fixed budget, yeah. that That's doesn't right. apply to currency issuing yeah. states, does it? And the the role of tax is something that I'm still yeah. trying to get my head around. I and mean, we hear tax discussed as if you need to raise tax in order to spend. Yeah. But under modern monetary theory, that's not necessarily as straightforward no, as right. that, is it? Modern monetary theory is looking at the economy and saying, well, for example, where does money come from? Mm. So that would be a simple question. <laughs> where does the money come from? Well, all the money tends to come from the governments. You know, they spend money into the economy. That's not actually uh, controversial. <laughs> that's, that's just the way it works. You know, if you were to look at the papers by the, the central bank in England, they would tell you that that's the case. They spend money into the economy. That's where the money comes from. So every single pound note, UK pound note that you've got in your account, that you've got in your purse or that you've got under your mattress, uh, <laughs> all came from the central bank. All the UK pound notes came from there. We could see what happened when they suddenly needed a lot more of them for COVID. Exactly. Magically, yeah. more appeared. Um, so if you need a lot of money to buy some PPE, <laughs> then you just you just spend the money because UK government asked the Bank of England, spend some money on PPE, and they do it. Yeah, or spend yeah. some money supporting the economy, supporting the business of the economy, and they do it. So you mentioned a currency producer, I think you said, or a currency... Currency issuer. Currency yeah. issuer yeah. or a currency user. So maybe we should just say what, why those yeah. are important distinctions. There are two types of governments in the world. There are those that issue currency. They're called uh, currency sovereign governments. And then you have governments in countries that are just users of currency. The UK, of course, is a classic so example. Westminster issues the currency. Scotland just uses it. So we have a fixed budget. That means we're very kind of limited in what we can do. But Westminster, people get a bit heated when I say things like they can spend as much money as they like. <laughs> yeah. But essentially they can. Whatever the policy priorities are, they can spend the money to achieve those priorities. Now clearly there are some things that will limit how much you can spend. Clearly if there's nothing left to buy, then that's that would be a limit. So if all everybody in the country is employed, you can't employ more people. If all the goods have already been bought up to the point when no more can be uh, produced, then you get something called inflation. So inflation is a kind of limit to the amount of money you can spend. But essentially, the government can make as many pounds as it likes up to the point that we have inflation. When they talk about borrowing money, yeah, they're borrowing it from themselves. More or less, that's the thing, yeah. Printing more. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They call it borrowing because, of course, that's quite a good way of uh, masking some of these ideas. Mrs Thatcher in the 1980s said, the UK government is a bit like a household. Now, that was a great uh, thing for a Tory to say because they can then say, well, you know, we've ran out of money. Just like a household spends too Just much. Like a household, yeah. We, we've yeah. ran out of money. We can't give you any more money for those increased wages that you've been calling for <laughs> because we've ran out of money. So if you buy into that uh, analogy or that idea, 
then you know you could shake your head and say, well, that sounds about right. You know, you know, clearly we've run out of money, so you know, there's definitely nothing we can do about that. So, but nobody has ever said actually governments are not like households. Mm. Unless households can print their own money, then they're not like households. <laughs> there is this idea in government that uh, unless we can bring in enough tax, we can't pay for things. Yeah. But that's the common thing you'll see on television. Yeah. You know, most yeah, that, that, That's the household budget, isn't it? It's the household like, budget yeah, idea. Household budget. We're going to run out of money unless yeah. we bring in a bit more tax. And again. When the government spends money into the economy, so we've now got money in our pockets, and then we give them some of it back in our taxes, right? So we are giving them money that they gave us back in our taxes. But the government made the money in the first place, so how come our taxes are the things that they need to spend on the health service, to spend on whatever it is, a new bridge or, or PPE, when it's them that made the money in the first place that put into our pockets and then we gave them it back. During the war, you heard this thing about called war bonds, right? We need to raise some money to, you know, to, to make arms for the war and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to sell some government bonds. You're going to buy them and that'll help us to raise money so that we can fund the war. So that was, that's the story, which, you know, people think, oh, we're giving the government money. But actually, that's not why they were doing it. They were doing it to reduce inflation. Actually, what they were trying to do was to take some money out of the economy. Out of the economy, yeah. Yeah, because what happened during the war is that women started coming into the workforce. Clearly, were needed, you know, women need, were needed to make the armaments because all the men were away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we had something called full employment. <laughs> so lots and lots more people were getting paid and those lots and lots of more people were spending their money and that was driving up inflation. So Keynes and his, his crew thought, oh, okay, how do we reduce inflation? Well, we need, to, we need to take some of the money out of the economy. How can we convince people not to spend? Well, we don't need to do that. All we can say is help the war effort by buying some government bonds. That'll take some money out of the economy that reduce the inflation, you know, everybody's happy because we'll be able to give them that money back later uh, after the war uh, when they need it. Yeah. So that was the basic idea that Keynes come up with. So when you get buy a government bond, you're not really giving the, the government money because that money actually just, just gets put in an account anyway. It actually takes money out of the economy. Mm. It doesn't put it in. Now, I should say at this point, I am not a world-renowned economist. <laughs> You're explaining <laughs> it like you are. <laughs> With 30 years' experience of understanding this stuff. Of course, we're upfront about that. But, you know, it's just valuable, isn't it, to have yeah. someone like yourself and, I mean, to some extent as well, myself and Fiona, sort of trying to puzzle our way through these things. You've said a few times, and I've nodded my head at it, but to the phrase that the government spends the money. And now I'm going, does it? Does it spend the money? What is it? Right. What is the government? The spending of money and the raising of taxes are two different pieces of legislation. They're not linked in any way. Which I'll let that linger for a bit. Because <laughs> it's important. They're not linked. So the money that you spend or you give to the, uh, the government in your taxes, that money does not put in a big pile, which the government then takes stuff out of and spends until it's all gone. That tax is basically uh, destroyed. It's a bit like when you go to the pictures 
and you give them their ticket and they rip it up, <laughs> put it in the bin. <laughs> All it means is that you paid your taxes or you've, you've properly paid for your ticket to get into the pictures. It's a different piece of legislation that relates to the bringing in of taxes than it is from the spending. So when you when you think about the cost of government departments and paying yeah. the salaries of civil servants and yeah. paying benefits to people, the story that the government would have you believe is that that comes from your taxes and yeah. the reason they can't get a pay rise is because we need to get more tax. If that's not the case, why is the government perpetuating this myth that it is the case is it because they don't understand economics and they yeah. think that's the way it works or is there something else in it for them if you can print money yeah why do we need austerity because there are people suffering mightily yeah. particularly at the moment and if that yeah. is a lifestyle choice that's been imposed on them by the Westminster government is it just cruelty? Is it that yeah. they like to know there are poor people because it makes them feel richer? What, yeah. what is in it for them? Well, before I start talking about that, can I just say, again, I'm not a world-renowned economist, and I would like people to go and read some books on this themselves, principally one by Stephanie Kelton uh -huh. called The Deficit Myth. The Deficit so I recommend myth, yeah. that. Oh, I've got uh, that one, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic book. But it's actually... That's the correct question, you know, why have we got austerity when we could just print the money, so to speak? There's no need for austerity. I mean, one of the, one of the things that got, gets me excited about uh, this alternative way of viewing the economy is it puts everything on its head. Once you've got some ideas in your head, like modern monetary theory, you can start thinking about other things, like what does it mean? Well, it means you can design the economy the way you want it first with the knowledge that you can pay for those things because the government can create its own money. So you design the economy. We want to have a well-being economy, for example, in Scotland. We want our citizens to have full employment. We don't we want to eradicate poverty. <laughs> we want to have good lives. Well, if we say that all first as government policy, and we know that it can all be paid for, because the government actually can pay for anything up to the point of inflation, then that flips everything on its head. There's no need for austerity, because austerity is based on this notion of that there's not enough money because there's not enough taxes coming in. Now you said, is it because they are trying to pull the wool over our eyes and they know that it doesn't work like that? Or is it they just don't understand how the economy works? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think mostly it's that they don't understand how an economy works. But we've also got this uh, orthodox neoliberal model, which actually fits quite well with the kind of right-wing approach. It fits in very well with the small state idea. How we think uh, government services are paid for and how they're actually paid for. And I span the story about you give your taxes, they spend your money, all the taxes until it's all gone and then they say there's no money left. They then have to borrow money, and that, that means they have debt, and then they have to service the debt, and then they get into the spiral of not being able to service the debt and can't, you know, can't get any more taxes in, and then they have austerity, because they go, oh, we need to stop spending money. We need to have austerity. But why would you do that to your population unless you hated them or there's something in it for you is there some people getting rich off well, the back of us it's funny you should say that again modern monetary theory says 
there's always two sides to uh, the money. There's the spending of it, and there's the people who get the money that you spent. Government services are not paid for by taxes. How are they paid for? Uh, and that inspiring story of austerity, there's some things that are not in that story. When the government spends money, this idea that spending money till it's all gone, where does it go? It gets spent into the non-government sector. You, me, you, where we all stay, <laughs> the country is getting yeah. spent into the country. The country's getting, I suppose, in some sense, richer because the government's spending money into it. So but certain it, segments of the country are getting yeah, richer, exactly, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So whatever money the government spends goes somewhere. That's part of the modern monetary theory story. It doesn't disappear. Mm. If you know what I mean, we're not getting poorer. Because that's the funny, that's the weird thing about, about government spending. They call it a deficit if you spend more money than you bring in in taxes. And that apparently is a bad thing. You know, we're always yeah. trying to get the deficit down. Mm. What is the deficit? Well, the deficit is the money we put into the economy more than we took out. So now we're all a bit richer than we were before. There's lots of things about the way that uh, the economy is presented on your TV by economists and politicians that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever if the balance isn't that the people who live in the country are getting it spent on them by way of better services and better lives if that's not the case then the government is doing better than the people if there's a a deficit is in the public spending where's the credit that balances out that deficit. Well, you're right. The credit is, I suppose, the the difference between the tax income and how much is spent. So deficit is, that's what the definition of the deficit is. The, the Bank of England's created money to spend into the economy. It's not necessarily a real thing. It's just that they've got this amount of tax we brought in. We've got this amount of money we spent. The difference between the two of them is called deficit. And that represents the amount of money that's still in the economy that hasn't been taxed back yet. All right? Mm-hmm. If we think, well, what is a what is a surplus? Right, a surplus is when less money was spent into the, the economy than was brought in in taxes. Right, so now the main uh, non-government sector is poorer. So when you're yeah. poorer, that's austerity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're poorer, it. you tend to have a, a depression in the economy. Yeah. And why does the far right or the right, as we call them these days, want? that to be the case because we've just seen that election in yeah. Finland where a more right-wing government got in and I, I, as I understand it a lot of the the reason for that was because they focused on the national debt and got to pay down yeah. now there they pay in yeah. euros so they yeah. aren't currency currency yeah. issuers they're currency users so maybe that's yeah. the difference but it, it just I never well, quite understand what where is the benefit in treating people Badly well, by austerity. Do you believe in the small state, right? Mm. Which is, tends to be a right wing kind of idea yeah. is that when we have a small state uh, and government is bad, the market is good, right? Mm. So let's not have any kind of government intervention because that would upset the new level model, which is one of balance. You know, if you let the market do its thing, everything balances out and it's all for the good. If you've got the idea in your head, everything must be paid for by taxes. So, so what does that mean? Well, if you're a right winger, you think, well, we want to reduce the amount of taxes uh, that I have to pay as a private individual. 
you know, because the government's not very good at, at allocating resources. It's just terrible at it. So why should we give them the money and then they have to deal with it? And we're giving them more power as we give them more money. Why not give them less money <laughs> and keep it all in the economy? It has a logic within that, within that model that, that makes sense. I mean, it must matter where in the economy it ends up, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it does. if it ends up in, you know, profits for, you know, a manufacturer or some sort of business, and, I, and I'm not meaning that there's profits are dirty work particularly, I mean, nothing no. wrong with profits, even, the, but, but then what do you do with the profits? So if the profits mostly end up in the bank account of the shareholders, but not, yeah. say, put into R&D or not put into expanding yeah. and make more jobs or, or give yeah. back. So it must matter where it ends up in the economy because the one thing that's really, it's really awful when you look mm -hmm. at the difference between high and low incomes and inequality in, in, in that in countries these yeah. days, well, particularly the UK, it's massive yeah. the difference between the, you know, the lower paid and the, the yeah. where all the wealth is. One of the things about MMT that people say is, well, Jim, uh, if the government can make money themselves, why do you bother taxing people in the first place? <laughs> why, why are taxes necessary? So then you would turn to Richard Murphy and he would explain it to you. And he would say something along the lines of, well, we need to have taxes because that legitimizes the, the money in the first place, the currency in the first place. Taxes are very useful for all sorts of things. And one of them it's very useful for is redistribution of wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And often the very wealthy don't actually spend their money. They've already got the car and the... So what you need is a progressive tax, to, tax system where you, you tax the very wealthy much at a much higher rate than you tax the people at the bottom who are very poor, uh, which is not what the UK has traditionally had. <laughs> The people who suffer with tax are always the poorest people. Yeah, it's, it's a much bigger percentage of their income than, than it exactly. is. Exactly, they spend person. their money, whereas the rich don't. So tax is very useful in, a, in the economy, even from an MMT perspective, because you can use it to redistribute wealth. You can make the folk who are poorer uh, less poor, and the folk that are rich less rich and have less uh, inequality in your economy. So tax is very useful for that. You can use tax to make things that are bad for people yeah, exactly. more expensive. So you, exactly. can, you can nudge behaviour. Like the minimum alcohol price. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm. So tax is a very useful tool. Uh, one of the things that we, Fiora were, were, and I were chatting about, I don't think there's any countries that are running with, uh, themselves using that MMT theory. And it doesn't seem like Scottish government at the moment um, are, are particularly keen on it either. Stephanie Kelton and Warren Mosler. Warren Mosler is kind of the inventor, I suppose, in some sense, of the, or brought all the ideas together and called yeah. it MMT. He was, he was the man. Uh, he was originally a, a bond trader, one of these folk that, that basically was in that kind of high finance world. And it was through all his work that, he, that all the realizations came for him, <laughs> that the economy didn't work the way that people were saying it worked. I mentioned uh, Stephen Hill because he, he said, MMT was the first time a new idea or a new paradigm had come along since mm. the 1930s. Paradigms are, are really interesting things. And I think what we're seeing with the people who can get their heads around MMT, the logic of it, are the people mm. who don't know much about economics because it makes sense when you just yeah. sort of spell it out in, in the way you're doing with us just now.
the people who have the most difficulty with it are the people whose paradigm is, is steeped in something else. Exactly. The folk that are in it already and have invested their entire uh, sort of economic education <laughs> in a particular view of the world, they're reluctant <laughs> to let go. <laughs> yeah. The minute you get that happening, what it tells you is that, you know, despite sometimes it's claimed that economics then is, is nowhere near being any kind of, having any kind of scientific basis. Let's say we've got to the point where we've had a referendum. I mean, God knows yeah. how that's actually going to happen. But say we've done it and, we've, and yes has, has come through. And we're thinking about how to run our new independent nation. It's not independent yet, but, you know, there'll be no. negotiations and there'll be a few years, but then it will be. So have you got any sense of how you would think that this sort of modern monetary theory could be applied you know, absolutely. a bit more specifically in Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you need the first thing you need to have is your own currency. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier on. You've got people who are countries who are using other people's currencies, which is incredibly yeah. dangerous because every time yeah. you borrow money from another country, that is real debt. So we need our own currency. We set up our yeah. own uh, central bank. We set up our own currency as quickly as possible. We then design the economy to benefit the citizens citizens of Scotland. I suppose you could call it a well-being economy, which obviously you need to do a wee bit of thinking because we don't we want to do it without damaging the, the yeah, environment. That's part so, of it. Yeah. so you're designing an economy which benefits the people in the country, doesn't damage the, the environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and I suppose there are people who are experts in the well-being economy. I would call upon them. We certainly wouldn't be designing Scotland, or in my opinion, the way that the UK is currently being run. No, no. I mean, no. This, this was part of the problem I had with the Growth Commission. We're just adopting everything that was already happening down, down in Westminster to yeah. produce a Scotland that was a small version of what was already going on. Yeah, yeah uh, there's no point including, in independence unless it's what different. What's the point of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things about MMT is it says that it should not be about economic levers. It should not, we should not be worrying about uh, inflation figures. Uh, deficit figures, which are always kind of made up anyway. The idea that a country should all have a 3% deficit is just a made up figure anyway. So these kind of indicators should not be things that we are worrying about. We should be thinking, what do we want to do as a country? Yeah. How do we want our, our people to live? Do we want a three-day week, for yeah. example? Do we want uh, a basic want, income? <laughs> do we yeah. want full employment? Full employment, but only three days a week. That seems like a, yeah, a full good employment, balance. But only three days a week. <laughs> we'd be so creative. Imagine what exactly. we'd do. Exactly, we want sort of enforced enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, when you when you start thinking that like that through, it's just it's incredible. It's the kind of possibilities, and you know, you could think, um, well, we've come up with a few already, but there could be. Do we want half our land to be owned by five hundred people? No, exactly. Well, exactly. we'll do something about that. How are we going to look after our highlands and islands? I think it was Stephen Hale who said almost in passing that Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang, they're what we think of as their mad plan. And it was almost they would have got away with it or they would have they we would have been yeah. able to bring it in um, if it wasn't for the reaction of the markets worldwide. Yeah. So how much oh. are we still yeah. going to be you know, say we go, yeah. we have our currency, we, we decide we want a well-being economy and all the yeah. good things we just said. How do the markets 
react to that and does that well, matter? There's two things about that. One is that a, a lot of MMT economists say, would say that we shouldn't be worrying about the markets. The market's the thing we do, the things we do. The Scottish, the Scottish economy is the things that we do every day. It's the buying and the selling and the businesses. That is the economy. The financial markets are only doing things if you let them do things. They're only affecting you if you let them do things. You can react to them in a way that encourages them to continue with that. Or you can create legislation that stops them doing the things that, that you're worried about. Yeah. So, for example, one of the things that, that you're sort of... Uh, growth commission type people would worry about is our uh, exchange rate falling uh, when we have our own currency. Yeah. Now, uh, MMT economists might say, well, you can fix your exchange rate. It's not up to them whether your exchange rate goes up and down. You can decide where it, where it sits or you can peg it to something else or whatever. As far as they're concerned, that's not a problem. Uh, you know, so there's lots of things you can do as a, as a, a government that takes it out of the hands of the so-called financial markets. So that's one thing. The other thing in, in relation to Liz Truss, which I should address, is the reason that the markets uh, reacted wasn't because she was being an NMT economist. It's because she was making the right hash of the UK economy, and they knew it, uh, and they didn't like it because it was costing them a lot of money and creating a lot of turmoil. So. Financiers uh, and the financial markets love successful economies. They buy into them. Mm. So spending money on your economy is not a bad thing as far as the markets are concerned. If you're investing, they can see you're investing and that'll have a return. And they'll be piling in to invest on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so some of it is uh, the perception, you know, of what you're saying is the perception of what the right-wing press tell you is happening. It's in their interest to say that that was an MMT problem, whereas I'm saying it wasn't. It's just that she made the right mess and the market could see that and therefore they reacted appropriately. There is inevitably going to be a gap between independence and the currency. Now, it might be months, it might be years. We know that's an ongoing debate at the moment. But in order for us to become, to start to set up as an independent country, there's going to have to be a massive investment in setting up our institutions our infrastructure huge recruitment you know all sorts of things if we cannot borrow yeah what do we do in that interim period before we have our currency and then we can produce the money because we know we've got the resources to back it coming out of our ears but it just strikes me if it's going to take say it was a year for argument's sake if it takes a year to set that up how do we make any progress during that year without those borrowing powers? It's always chicken and egg, I think. Is that a silly thing to worry about? Well, I mean, before we're independent, we can't really do anything anyway. No. I mean, all, we, can, we can certainly set up the appropriate institutions, you know, like making sure we've got a central bank, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that is an insurmountable issue in terms of cost. But you're correct to say that to set up a new country, takes a lot of money um, mm-hmm. and we need a new civil service that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. got to be exponentially exactly, kind of, anything. Yeah. Uh, enlarged uh, and there's lots of investment required now whether we are still stuck with the pound which i think is a bad idea we will always have borrowing powers as an independent country it will cost us money cost us money you know there'll be an interest rate to borrow the money so it'll be a more expensive process even if we don't have our own currency we will still be able to do it 
And that takes us back to Tim Rideout's golden yeah. rule of never borrowing in a foreign currency, which that's sterling right. will be a foreign currency. Exactly, exactly. So mm, that's an interim problem. It's a transitional problem. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's no, it's not that we can't do things, uh, even if we don't have our own currency. It's just that it'll cost us a lot more. I mean, you said earlier on about the euro. I mean, one of the things about the euro is that if you're stuck in the euro, you're, you don't have the, the flexibility to do all the things that you want to do as a country mm -hmm. within the euro. It's being a currency user again, isn't it, rather than it was a, being currency a currency user? user. Exactly. The reason that you can make as much money as you like is because it's mm -hmm. all related to this thing called fiat money. Yeah. So fiat money is money that's not, uh, it doesn't derive its value from something else, like gold. So in the past, we know that we had a big, loads of gold in the, <laughs> in the vaults, and you made as much money, as much as you had gold, to, to the value of the gold, and it was stuck to that. And then those two things were uh, taken apart, you know, no, no longer that connection. And you had this thing called fiat money, which was the, the value, there was no inherent value to the pound note, but the value was that, you know, you had to pay your taxes in it, so... The value was if your economy was thriving, if your economy was strong, yeah. that actually, that always helps the strength of your currency, doesn't it? That's right. But it wasn't connected to any, uh, it wasn't connected a physical to piece of counting, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's yeah. why modern monetary theory starts to make sense. If we want people to buy in, one of the arguments I think is really attractive about an independent Scotland, and, and one we probably should make more of, is that we can make those kind of choices yeah. about do we invest in our people or do we invest in swimming pools for Sunak's horses or whatever the latest thing yeah. is. If we're going to do that, I think we're going to fall apart. If our government ministers or Scottish government ministers yeah. aren't talking in that language, yeah. and at the moment then they're, they're not. I mean, I don't they're know not. what Shona Robertson's going to be like as a finance minister. Yeah. You know, it, it seems something that you think... It might be an advantage that she's not coming from an economics background, yeah. but it's certainly, you know, neither Kate Forbes nor Ivan McKee nor Gordon McIntyre Kemp either yeah. seem to really. Yeah, that's true. All of those things are true. It. I spoke to them all. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, Gordon, Gordon's done all that really good high quality yeah. research yeah. on, yeah. on, on people's response to being told about the well-being yeah. economy, and, and you know, and, and he's got the figures to prove how people respond to it so positively, and and yeah. not just folk who are already yes, but folk who are still no, and and people who vote conservative, and yeah. you know, he still gets really impressive kind of responses from just a simple question if you could run your economy like that would you vote for scotland being independent so so there's a bit of a i suppose you're yeah. just putting your finger Fiona, on a bit of a mismatch you know if you're a finance minister you, yeah. you, you don't really need to be an economist you just but you do no. need to be able to especially in scotland at the moment you need to be able to add things up properly and yeah. and make sure that things mm -hmm. balance and at the um, moment, it is a household budget because we've got a fixed exactly. block exactly. grant. So exactly. it is exactly. the appropriate stuff. Yeah. Well, I have to say I'm an optimist. You know, I mean, one, of things about, Tell us good things. One, one, one of the things about MMT is that MMT has been one of those things that's been, that has grown from the ground up, not yeah. from the sort of centre, not from the centre of power, not from economists that are in place. It's grown from the ground up. Yeah. And in America, uh, it's actually got a bit of a, more of a foothold. A lot more people know about it. Stephanie Kelton was the uh, economist for Bernie Sanders. Sanders. Bernie Sanders, yeah. yeah. She was his economist uh, uh, when he ran for president. If he had got in, basically we would have had an MMT economist running America. Mm. <laughs> uh, 
so, so it's not completely off uh, off the yeah. uh, the field. It's on the yeah. field. A lot of people are talking about it in America. A lot of people are talking about it in Australia. A lot of people are talking about it in, in Europe. And we had a conference a weekend ago there, two weekends ago, yeah. where it was kind of the center of the conference. Yeah. It's something that people are talking about and it's growing. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. that a lot of politicians have heard the phrase MMT. So a lot of people think, what is this that yeah. people are talking about? Something that, again, I think it was Stephen Hale said, which was that if you can understand even the basics of MMT, you can have a better yeah. conversation than most economists can. That's right. And being able to put it into words that ordinary people like us can yeah. understand the concepts is you don't need to have a degree in economics to be able to do no, it. You're you just right. need yeah. to look yeah. at the logic so we, of it. So we, we just need to get uh, more able to understand yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a bit like independence, you know, once you've yeah. seen it, you can't really unsee it. Well, I mean, of course, the thing about uh, debt is it comes along every year when we have this thing called the JERS uh, yeah, report. Yeah. Oh, you oh. couldn't possibly become independent because you've got this huge deficit. I said, well, where did the deficit come from? Well, exactly. you know, Scotland's just a huge deficit, but Scotland's got a fixed budget. It can only spend the money it's got and it can't have a deficit. Oh, but JRS tells you that Scotland's got a huge deficit. That's because the UK spends the money on our behalf. Yeah. That's why we've got a deficit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you look at the uh, uh, the sort of timeline <laughs> for when this huge deficit arised, I think it was somewhere along 2014 when the, the deficit, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The deficit went like that. And About it, the time the oil ran out. <laughs> and, and, then it, and then it went like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so we've now got this huge yeah. deficit, which is money yeah. spent on our behalf. I was always going to vote yes in 2014, but I, you know, I, I also had a look at you know, how rich we were as a country, and it doesn't take you long to discover that we're probably about at least the, you know, 25th or even 30th richest country in in the world. I think even it was 14th at the time. And uh, yes, exactly. And the French, the French TV news were telling folk in France that while we were having yeah. a referendum campaign although right. no one but at the same time what I did was I went into I quite like spreadsheets Jim and uh, I, I just downloaded the JER spreadsheets and when you go right. into them you think oh well yeah there's a deficit but they're charging us three billion for defense yeah well Ireland manages fine just spending a, a one billion on defense that's so right. that's immediately taking two billion quid off it and then well, we had the biggest defense budget in the world yeah <laughs> that's right it's even just on the level of arithmetic actually you yeah. can go into those figures and and drastically reduce that but, we're interested in that Richard Murphy's fantastic and all yeah. that kind of stuff he is. quite yeah. a few, yeah. quite yeah. A few yeah. videos on it where's England's jurors because that would be if we're yeah. going to look at ours let's look at all the devolved nations as the whole deficit as the UK deficit we're just apportioned mm. it yeah, you know, yeah. We're sort of, so you're, we're going to give you this percentage yeah. of it, which shows that you have this huge deficit. Yeah. In reality, it's the UK that's got the huge deficit. We've just been mm. cut a wee bit off. <laughs> anyway, it's been great chatting to you. It's, it's been, been really yeah. interesting. Really, just kind of sitting here, actually, I was quite struck when you said you're an optimist about it, Jim. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, because if we, even when we did that little bit of, you know, blue sky ideas earlier, I mean, it just gets, it's so uplifting and it's so yeah. kind of, Positive yeah, I think that's what we need more. I, yeah. think was, was, I heard somebody on the podcast, it was an English economist, he was talking about uh, Scotland, and one of the things he said was, Scotland doesn't need any more figures. What it needs is uh, people to get, get sort of uh, worked up, <laughs> get emotional. 
about independence. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, yeah, yeah. he's quite right. Yeah, exactly. You know, all these figures and jeers and all that, it's all depressing. Um, on one of Leslie Ruddock's, you know, nation films, I'm pretty right. certain it was the Isla Icelandic one, that one of the people she was talking to described Scotland as they thought Scotland was like a sleeping giant. That's right. right. Okay. And, okay, that's a good you know, thing. Yeah. We just need yeah. to wake up. We need to wake yeah. up realize the situation we're actually in and and the, the the kind of assets and you know advantages we've got and then start using them so yeah maybe all of us should be optimistic in that in that yeah. way so, anyway Absolutely. thanks thanks for coming on and, no, and no, it's been great. what we also do is we we um we've got a blog that's part of our website and and so if we do a, an interview like this Mm -hmm. And there's a way that we can write a blog post about it. Then we'll do right. that. And, and with you, there certainly is, because you've got all that those articles on. We'll, we'll right. write one and, and link it in, and then spread that around. Yeah, we'll put we'll link to them in the notes from the the YouTube right. and the podcast as well, because yeah. it, I think it it helps if people can then go away and yeah. they can read the yeah. The yeah. I mean, I've actually had a very positive response to those articles. It's quite funny because people because, say, "Oh, it's yeah. the first time I've understood this, or I've understood that." And I think, well, that's <laughs> you know, so. I felt Which is good, you know. Yeah, the first yeah. one about the um, here's what you here's how you think it works, and I read it yeah. and I thought, yeah, that's how I think it works. And then I sort of read it. Oh, it was really, it was well, yeah. very yeah. well set out. And if you'd like to see the rest of Jim's articles, which we highly recommend, you'll find him on bylines.scot. And I think we've learned a lot, so thank you very much. Now, a plea to our listeners out there, please share this programme if there's things in it that you think are useful for other people to hear, particularly if they're not yet decided folk, then please do share. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, so you don't miss any of our new stuff. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you later. Bye now. <laughs>